Good morning. Oh, actually, is it afternoon? Good afternoon. <laughs> and there's another day gone. Um, I want to talk to you today uh, about a king that we don't just come into the presence of or doesn't just meet us in the middle of our worship. But I want to talk to you about King Jesus who walks with each one of us every day. Um, Let's just stand up for a minute. So I'm going to take on a bit of a journey. We're going to go for a bit of a walk. So uh, just kick your legs a little bit and perhaps walk on the spot. There we go, see? Wonderful. Now, I'm an Anglican. Um, With Anglicans, we'd have done the service by now. We'd have had our cup of tea and coffee and we'd have been out the door and the roast would be in the oven. But you Pentecostals, you, you just keep going. So, uh, <laughs> which is fantastic. Uh, I want you to turn around uh, to somebody next to you and just tell them, um, where's the, f- the farthest, uh, the furthest distance you've ever walked? Just turn around to somebody. Where's the furthest distance you've ever walked? We're going on a walk today. Oh, I don't know. You have to see. <laughs> Okay, you don't have to tell them everything you did on your holiday. Uh, You can sit down now. Now, I don't know whether you're like me. I like walking. Anybody like walking? I mean, really walk? Fantastic. I've got more friends here. Wonderful. And when I'm out in the great outdoors, uh, for me, I find it a place that I can really connect with God. You know, you're outside the glorious creation and I find that something which is uh, really special for me and so today I'm going to talk to you about uh, a tale of two walks the one that we've heard in the scripture which Callum read to us but the also one which was a walk that I did uh, about three years ago Um, so it's a sort of a bit of a personal testimony uh, combined with um, some biblical reflection is that okay Go for me, uh, with me on this walk. So three years ago, I planned to do a sabbatical, a bit of time away from work. Things had got a bit stressed uh, at work, so I decided to go for a walk. And um, it was going to be a, um, not just a walk, but a time that I could spend with God. Um, I chose to do, I'd never done a long distance walk before, and I chose to do a walk called the Dales Way. Anybody familiar with the Dales Way? No? Okay, so it goes from Ilkley um, in the sort of the Yorkshire Dales over to Cumbria uh, near Windermere. And um, so it was going to be a time I was going to recharge my batteries physically, um, and I was going to meander through the valleys, picture it, meander through the green valleys, following the little streams, uh, and be in communion with God. A pilgrimage walk with Jesus. I thought that was my phone then. (laughs) Um, But actually it was anything but. It was mid-October. The number of daylight hours were about 10 hours a day, and I had planned to walk around about 26 kilometers each day with an 18-kilogram pack on my back with my tent and my supplies and my clothes uh, and the like. Now, any of you who have been on walks, um, you buy some new boots, what do you do 
uh, with your new boots before you go on for a walk. You walk them in, that's right. Unfortunately, I hadn't got the time to walk my boots in, so I started off on my first day with my new boots on. And it didn't feel like a pilgrimage walk. In fact, it felt a little bit like a forced march. And by the end of the day, my feet ached blisters on both feet. Uh, My legs ached, my back ached. In fact, I'd had no time at all for my meandering spiritual contemplation. And as I sat in my tent on that first evening, I thought, this wasn't how I expected it to be. And you know, reading today, we read about Cleopas and friend. We don't know the name of the friend, so I'll just refer to him or her as a friend. And they were out walking. Um, they only walked about, or they were walking about seven miles. But the walk was not what they expected. It was a time of Passover just taking place, a celebration time. It was also the time uh, a week or so earlier of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He'd been moving through Galilee for three years and maybe finally his moment had arrived. We know that Cleopas and his companion were disciples, they were followers of Jesus, not one of the twelve, but we know that they had been there with them. And so maybe they'd also been part of Jesus' journey over that three-year period. And they had high expectations. And here we find them starting out this journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus uh, after Jesus had been crucified. And they said, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. For them, tragedy had struck. Jesus had been crucified. And their faces were downcast. They were discouraged. This is not what they expected following Jesus would look like. So let me ask you, what is following Jesus like for you now? Maybe you're not where you expected to be. Maybe for you life isn't how you planned it. Your vision of walking with Jesus is different to how it's turned out. I don't know how many of you have been on the journey from the WEC to the church at Junction 10 to that being no more in uh, free to free Wolverhampton uh, Road uh, to this building here. But maybe this isn't quite how you expected it to be. And so for our friends, uh, Cleopas and companion events were unexpected. It wasn't supposed to be like this. The expectation on Jesus had been huge. The Messiah, the leader that was going to overcome the Roman occupation. And it had all come crashing down. And sometimes, even when we follow Jesus, our worlds can seem to crash down around us. I already mentioned earlier on that uh, seven years of my life were spent uh, in the school just a few feet uh, away from here. Um, It's a funny thing, schools have in your memory, 
Uh, sometimes they're good, but often they're not sort of quite so uh, good. And uh, it's nice of you to build a new school for me, so all those memories of the uh, old school have disappeared. The only problem with that is I was, I was Googling. Um, you know, like you can go on your app on Google and you can go to the street view bit where you sort of follow the little line. And I'd not been here for years and years. So I thought, I wonder what it looks like now. And uh, I was following the little line. You could see the old school's gone. The playing fields are there. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, one of the images hasn't sort of quite updated, and the old school popped up. <laughs> I thought, oh dear. <laughs> Scary sort of uh, thoughts of the past. You know, when I was 15 in the school next door, just studying for my uh, O-levels, as they were called then, uh, my father died. It was a little bit unexpected. Uh, he was well uh, one minute, and then... Uh, eight weeks later, uh, he was sadly dead and passed away. And I remember thinking around that time, it wasn't supposed to be like this for those that were following Jesus. And seven years ago, I'm working for the YMCA. I've been the chief executive of YMCA in West Bromwich for some time. We were planning to build a new building. I don't know if you've been over towards West Bromwich in Carter's Green, where the YMCA is there. But for years, we've been trying to make this thing happen, and it just wasn't happening. Uh, we just didn't seem to be able to get it over the line. So... I called a meeting together of our senior team and we were, I think, at a hotel somewhere and we were having this chat about how we were going to try and piece the last pieces of a jigsaw together. And suddenly I found myself breaking down, weeping in front of my team. It was a surprise to me as it was a surprise to my team as well. I was in the middle or at the beginning of having a nervous breakdown. And I remember over the following weeks thinking, surely it's not supposed to be like this if God's will and God's plans are a part of the journey that I'm on. And maybe for Cleopas and friend in our story, their sense of safety, their security, their hopes, their dreams were gone. It was just so unexpected. Surely this was the one. It was so discouraging. This uh, past decade, um, for anybody involved in uh, working with charities and voluntary organisations, has been quite a bumpy time. As uh, successive government cuts have removed funding for youth provision and for social care. And I, I remember at the time of my sabbatical walk uh, three years ago, the government were about to make sweeping changes to the benefit system. They'd done lots of things to the benefit system by then, and this was just another thing that were, they were planning to do. And it would have removed about £40 million per year from YMCAs across England and make its supported housing uh, impossible to run, unsustainable. Local YMCAs like mine in the black country would find it hard to survive. And I guess this was weighing heavily uh, on me at the time of my walk. So, 
come with me back to my walk. So here I am, uh, somewhere in the Yorkshire Dales. Um, just north of Ilkley, there's a place called Bolton Priory. Um, I don't know if any of you have, have been to it or familiar with it. Um, it's actually quite a beautiful place, and uh, I'd recommend that you go there. Um, so when all the monasteries were, uh, we had a dissolution of mo monasteries by uh, Henry VIII, they took all the roofs off the top so they couldn't be used, and they came to uh, Bolton Abbey, and they sort of did the same to that, but uh, part of it was allowed to remain, and a church was allowed to remain there. And it's a, it's a beautiful place, an unexpected place to find in the middle of my uh, walk. And next to uh, Bolton uh, Abbey, uh, there's a river wharf. So those of you, I can see who nodded, will know that uh, across that river, there's a wooden bridge. And next to the wooden bridge, there are um, a number of stepping stones. Now, I didn't count the stepping stones, but I'm there sort of uh, uh, standing. I've been in the, the Priory, beautiful place, and I've got to go across the river to get to the other side and carry on, on my walk. And I've got the choice. I've got the wooden bridge or I've got the stepping stones. Which do you think I chose? <laughs> so I chose the stepping stones. And uh, it looked sort of nice and tranquil and sort of uh, and, and peaceful. There was not really sort of anybody around. And I thought, yeah, I'll go across those stepping stones. And so I begin to go across the stepping stairs. Now, what you need to understand is I've got my sort of walking boots on. Uh, and I've got this pack on my back. Now, I don't mean like a little picnic pack. I mean like this huge, huge pack on my back uh, with my tent on and my sort of camping gear and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I'm not used to doing this sort of thing, really. It sounded like a good idea when I was planning it a while ago. So I begin to walk across the stepping stones. And it's not really very deep, so as you sort of wander across, it, was, it seemed to be fine. Now, the thing when you're carrying a big pack is that sort of, uh, when you, sort of, you, you walk, you find you stop, but your pack sort of goes a little bit further, you know, that sort of pendulum effect. And as I walked across, I could feel this pack on my back. And I got a little bit further and further. Now, what I didn't realise at the time, because I hadn't counted the stones, there are 60 stepping stones. And the river is actually a bit wider than you think it is. And I got sort of, I don't know, probably about 20, 30 uh, stones into it. And I thought, this is wider than I thought that it was going to be. And that bank doesn't look any nearer. So I sort of stopped and I thought, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to go back and go over that bridge. And I, I looked behind me, and there were many stepping stones behind, as there were ahead. And I looked into the water. Now, on this side, it looked relatively calm, but it is mid-October, and the, sort of, the water's relatively sort of high, but it looks calm on that side. But when I go on to that side, that's running quite sort of fast past the stones, and it actually, in the middle of that river, it looks quite deep. <laughs> I felt my feet and my legs start to wobble. Fears began to rise up within me. And I actually thought, do you know what? I can't move. I can't get to that bank, but I can't turn around and go back the other way. And something within me sort of said, Steve, you've just got to get to the next stone. And I got to the next stone. And I'll tell you, that's how I got to the other side. I didn't believe I could get to the other side. I was expecting to fall in, and goodness knows what would happen and be dragged under. But I got to the next stone, and then I got to the next stone after that. 
Do you know, um, later on that day, when I reflected on that experience, I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, you know, these things in your life that are not expected, all this stuff that's happening that you don't know how to overcome, you just got to take the next step. And after that, you've got to take the next step. You might not believe you can get to the other side, but you've just got to trust me for the next step. So clear path and friend, going through a difficult time, their leader, their Lord, their Messiah, hadn't turned out to be what they expected. And at this point in time, at the beginning of their journey, they couldn't make sense of it. And so it is in our lives sometimes. We can't make sense of the things that are happening around us. We've begun to follow Jesus, but things haven't worked out as we had planned. You know, and I don't know, maybe for you, you didn't get that job that you were sure was God's plan for you. Or perhaps your exam results didn't come in as you expected them to be. Perhaps you're in a difficult place with a relationship. Or maybe for you, you've suffered a bereavement and life's not what you planned. You're discouraged, maybe even quite devastated today. Now, I don't want to trivialize pain that people may feel or the time that is needed to bring about healing. I thank God that we have a Lord who walks with us through all of those times and a faith where new life and hope and transformation overcomes pain and death and discouragement. One of my favorite psalms, as I'm sure it is for many here, Psalm 23 says this, even though you walk through the darkest of valleys, the valley of a shadow of death, what does it say? It says, I will be with you. He doesn't take you out of the valley. We don't understand that sometimes, but almighty God is with you. Do you believe that? And so, there they are, Cleopas and friend. They're walking to Emmaus. They're downcast, they're discouraged. Their world has collapsed. Before I carry on, let me just take you back to day two of my walk. Actually, I was ready to give up. I think one of the most difficult things for me, this was a six-day walk, and the second day I didn't think I could go any further. I, the biggest thing was the embarrassment of going back home and saying, actually, I didn't make it. Because um, it wasn't what I was expected, this, this false march. I couldn't think, I couldn't pray. I was just trudging on. My feet hurt, my back ached, my legs ached. And in the afternoon on that second day, I uh, stopped mid-afternoon for, uh, for a snack a little cafe, every now and again, it's a great walk if you want to do a walk like that. I'd suggest you do it in a better time of the year than I did it and perhaps stay in some lodgings rather than in a tent. Um, but there's lots of little villages along the way, so uh, that's quite nice. And, and there was a place called Kettlewell where I, I, I stopped, still about four miles to go. I had a snack 
uh, a little bit of a rest. And um, about three quarters of an hour later, I put my pack, this huge, heavy pack, on my back. Have you got the picture of this huge, heavy pack? Because I want you to feel sorry for me that this, this, this thing was on my back. Anyway, um, as I put the pack back on my back, two walkers passed me. I'd seen them the day before. Um, they were obviously doing a similar sort of journey uh, to me. And they stopped and they waited for me. And then together for the next hour or so, we walked the journey uh, together. And then they went off to their bunkhouse and I carried on the last mile or so to my campsite. But do you know for that hour that I was with them, the time and the distance shot by. I didn't feel my feet. I didn't feel my back. My legs didn't ache. And again, later when I reflected on this, it was as if a small voice, the Holy Spirit, said to me, Steve, understand the power of walking together. It was so simple. It was like a lightning bolt revelation. You know, we're not called to do this walk with Jesus alone. It's a journey we do together. In Galatians 6, Paul encourages us. He says, share each other's burdens. And in this, you're fulfilling the law of Christ. Again, in Hebrews, it says, let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I guess I'm preaching to the converted here because you guys are all here. But encouraging one another. Our Christian experience is meant to be worked out in community. With our friends, with our neighbours, with our relatives journeying along with others. But I know that sometimes in this individualistic culture that we live in, we think that we can do it all ourselves. I heard some people say, oh, well, I've got the God channel. Or I've got my Bible apps. Or I've got, I've got my YouTube teaching videos. And so I can do this Christian thing without actually being part of a church. Maybe you've heard that too. And I think that while these Resources, and, and I think we are the most resourced generation in history. Think about that. You know, your access to stuff to help you in your Christian walk. No other generation has had access to it in the way that we have. And again, they can be a fantastic thing. But we're not meant to do the Christian life on our own. So don't give up the habit of meeting together share each other's burdens your Christian faith is a team activity it's not for the single player so walk together on your journey clear, sir, clear past some friend they're still walking on this road Jesus turns up and he's walking with them hooray and they don't even realise that it's Jesus who's with them it says in the scripture, uh, Jesus says to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe. All that the prophets have spoken, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And then, beginning with Moses 
and all the prophets, uh, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So here they are, they're walking on this journey to Emmaus. They're actually walking with Jesus. They're downhearted still. They begin to get all of this teaching and all this new understanding. But they still don't realize what is going on. They're on this journey. Jesus is with them. He's teaching them. He's doing stuff in their lives. And they don't yet get it. Does that sound familiar to anyone? I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but does it feel that Jesus is there with you? Because here, in this moment in this story, even though Jesus was literally right next to them, in that moment, it didn't even feel like to them that he was alive. Think about that. And yet he was at work in their lives. He was walking alongside them. He was teaching them. He was transforming them. And because he walked with them, they would not be the same again. When did this change happen for them? When uh, did what Jesus was teaching, Cleopas and friend, have the greatest impact? I would say it was when their eyes were opened And they saw that Jesus was right there in front of them. As we read on, it says, uh, if you remember, he he, he says all this stuff to them. They walk along, they get to where they're going and they invite him in. They still don't realize who he is. Uh, And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he began to give it to them. And it says, and then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? Suddenly the penny had dropped. Things began to make sense. Now not everything, mind, because there was still a way to go for them to get everything. But when they walked with Jesus, when they realized that Jesus was with them, when their eyes were opened, they began to have a new perspective. So let me ask you, what are you learning from your walk with Jesus? Do you stop? Do you take time to allow your eyes to be open to ask that question? If you today are a follower of Jesus, he promises to be with you through the Holy Spirit. In John's Gospel, Jesus says this. He says, his spirit will guide you into all truth as you journey with him. He's with you in your daily life. What's he saying to you? What's he teaching you? Could it be as a new Christian you're developing a love for God and a greater knowledge of scripture. Maybe it's a challenge to love your neighbor. Maybe it's a challenge about who exactly your neighbor really is. Maybe your work with Jesus is more painful, a tragedy, a crisis which makes no sense and where you just want to scream at God and it doesn't feel like Jesus is there at all. And if that's you, May God's peace, the peace that passes all understanding, be with you today. Because my friend, Jesus is here. 
He is with you. And in time with his strength, your eyes will be opened. For me, on my pilgrimage walk with Jesus, it wasn't how I expected it to be. My preconceived ideas of how God would speak to me needed to change. And in the pain and the effort of my walk, Jesus was with me. I just needed to open up my eyes. It might seem a bit insignificant to to you here and to others, but it was through, for me, this full sensory experience, including what for me was real fear, that my eyes were opened and I realized that Jesus was teaching me. He was teaching me to trust him one stone at a time, even when I didn't believe I could get to safety. He was teaching me the power of walking with others, the importance of sharing one another's burdens. You know, I don't believe that any of our experiences, those we feel that are good and those that we feel that are bad at the time, go to waste in the kingdom of God. The Bible says to consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds. That's a really difficult uh, verse to to take at, at, at some point. Why? Because... Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that we can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Our journey, our walk with Jesus, the things that we encounter can be used for good, for God's purposes. For clear and Friend, it didn't end when their eyes were opened, when they understood uh, that Jesus was with them. When the situation, uh, his teaching began to fit together like a jigsaw, it didn't end there in many ways. That was just the beginning. You see, you and me are part of their purpose. Because their story in Luke chapter 24 has become part of our story today, as it has for Christians over the past 2,000 years. Their walk with Jesus had purpose, and so does your walk with Jesus. What I learnt on my pilgrimage walk uh, in such an unusual and powerful way, uh, I live uh, daily uh, now, It took place three years ago, Um, but let me just give you a little bit more context. Um, Just around about that time, as well as the things that were going on uh, in work, in our personal lives, uh, my uh, wife uh, was contemplating going into the ministry, the Anglican uh, ministry, um, which was quite a sort of a challenge. When you have come from the... uh, Forever in church that we talked about earlier on, in uh, for me at the Gospel Hall, for Ruth, she was from a, a Brethren church uh, elsewhere, uh, uh, with a family history in the exclusive Brethren church. Becoming a female minister in the Church of England was quite a challenge, uh, not just theologically, uh, not just in terms of the family uh, setting, um, but also in terms of history as well. And I felt 
that God was saying to me very, very clearly, uh, not just to trust him one step at a time, but that walk, that walk with others was particularly a walk with my wife. Um, who's joined me <laughs> uh, just here. Uh, and, um, uh, and it's been a journey these past uh, three years. Um, and so when I was thinking about what to share with you, I thought, well, what can I bring? Let me bring something that's personal. Uh, and this last year, um, we've, uh, I think in the space of about six months, we've renovated uh, two houses. Uh, we've moved our family over to Wolverhampton. Uh, Ruth's become ordained. Uh, she's started a new role. Um, uh, I guess a new vocation, a new, a new job. Um, Callum's moved school to a completely different area. Uh, my middle son uh, has just started university, so we've just moved him elsewhere. My daughter has got married twice. Um, once in uh, Aldridge. <laughs> she's married a German guy, okay, that's why she's got married twice, and once in Germany as well. All these things have all come together in six months, uh, and the importance of walking together has needed to be continually repeated uh, on my mind because the mission that God has for me, the mission that God has for Ruth is a joint mission we do it together and sometimes we need those moments in time sometimes we need those moments in time that are so ingrained when, when it's a full sensory thing, when something has happened which is so hard, it's as if God presses home the point through the practical and that's what he did for me and he's continuing to do so so let me finish. Where are you on your walk with Jesus? Have you realized that he's with you? Are you listening to what he's teaching you through your experiences now? Have you taken the time to have your eyes opened? Have you understood the purpose for your journey and how God can use it for his good I pray that this may be so for you today. Amen.